Coming to you from the M&M Exterior Studio in Nooksville, Virginia, this is Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, the introvert's extrovert. She talks to people so you don't have to. For now. Welcome to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, the introvert's extrovert. I am here with Brett Hinkey. Brett, are you an introvert or an extrovert? I am an introvert. I would say I'm a high-functioning introvert. <laughs> I like that, high-functioning. Yeah, it's similar to an alcoholic. I can still do my job, but yet I'm extraordinarily introverted, for That's sure. That's amazing. Um, I think so. Tell us about yourself, Brett, who you are, why the heck you're here. <laughs> Wait, so I'm do sorry. pauses work well on radio and podcasts? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, unless it's for effect. Okay, so the reason I'm here is I've been friends with you for several years. How we many were... years? How many Ooh, years? I don't know. So who was the baby? We took a baby to your wedding. Was that Sydney was the baby? No. It was Reagan? Mm-hmm. Okay. So 12, 13 years, I guess, yeah. we've known you. We yeah. were B-list invites to your wedding. Yep, that's true. Didn't make didn't make round one. Did not make the A-list. Did not. Nope. 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 And uh, a little tight on the church space, just for a little background info. We were a little stressed <laughs> about the tiny chapel. It only holds about 350. I said, hey, we got some no's. You're in. You want to come? And, and we said, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yep. And then were the Parises, were they yeah. A-list or B? Oh, they were B. Yeah. Clearly B. Yeah, okay. totally B. Yeah, we were friends. So we were, I always, we were new friends at the time because I had just moved to Virginia. Yeah. And I came from New Jersey where all of my friends were married with kids. And so I, (laughs) who I love dearly. And so I immediately locked eyes on your wife and was like, she looks like we could be friends. Yeah, she's pretty cool. And I was like, and if I babysit her kids now, she could help babysit my kids when I have kids. And that plan has worked out splendidly. Uh, what's really worked out is our kids have babysit your kids. <laughs> That's how much older we are. Yeah. And we've basically paid for your daughter's telephones. I That's, think so. Um, I think that's accurate. Yeah, I feel like, you know, it's a win-win situation. So What I remember, the, my first memory of you is talking about sweet corn. Yeah. And you had the summer of sweet corn. I did have the summer that's of all sweet, you corn. Ate sweet corn. That's so <laughs> true. Summer. summer after college. Um, and actually, Jen got me a, a sign that is currently hanging in my kitchen that says sweet corn, because I forgot about that till you mentioned it now, that yes, I had moved down here. And so I was making the new friends. And of course, I was telling stories because I like doing that. And one of the highlights was the sweet corn summer, where I obviously didn't have a lot of money. And there was a little farm stand next to my little house out in the country and i would eat sweet corn for breakfast lunch and dinner oh my goodness <laughs> i would microwave it and just what eat a lot your, of corn what were your bowel movements like <laughs> well everyone's heard about them so you know keeping it regular much like this podcast your bowel movements were a lot of poop but you could pick out little kernels of wisdom oh that's horrible <laughs> that's too far that's too far. No one wants to hear about that. No, a lot of undigested corn. That's what this podcast is. It's you got to pick out the undigested corn out of the pounds oh, of poop. That's a horrible visual. No? Are okay. you saying there's like a lot of crap in it and you just pull out some of the good yeah, stuff? Yeah, that's what, that's what your producer does. He yeah. pulls out the good stuff. The tidbits. The, t- the tidbits. Oh, see, that's too oh, see, far. See, it's too far. Too far. It was all fine listeners. until you said tidbits. 
It was all great. I actually will disagree and say it was all great until you talked about corn and poop. Like, I just feel like that just got too far. It was golden, like golden corn. No, uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. So, from B-lister to podcast guest. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for not only your friendship, but your support of the podcast. You're welcome. And thanks for coming in today. Yeah, my pleasure. So, tell everyone. So, you're you're more than a B-lister. So, who who is Brett Hinkey? I've actually thought about order, so I should put that I'm a Christian first. Okay. And then I would say husband, mm-hmm. then father, mm. then a freedom fighter is nice. Yeah, yeah. I like I mean, that. It, it kind it's very of, exciting. It, it lends itself to the military, which you are not in the military. Mm, I am not in the military. But, but you do love freedom, so. Yeah, I do. I think a we lot. can possibly go there. Who doesn't love freedom? That's what bothers me is why would someone not love freedom? I think that everyone – well, there are, I'm sure, people – I can't speak for everyone. But I would say that people love things. They just go about it differently. Yeah. And their beliefs around it are different. What what freedom looks like is different to people. I think that's right. Yeah. It's definitely right. I'm usually right. So thank you that's for, valid. for recognizing that. I think um, – yeah. So we could, we could probably dig into that at some point if we want to. I think we should. About people's different – perceptions of freedom and where it starts i think we should and that is actually a good little segue into why i wanted to have you on the podcast because we have been friends for 12 plus years and you and i have gotten into many a great discussion because i love asking questions and you love answering them (laughs) (laughs) okay am i wrong let's say that let's say that well You've mentioned before that you thrive in an environment that allows people to give feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think you and I are both feedback givers. You know, you say something, I either contradict it or ask more questions and vice versa. And I don't think either of us mind having someone else question or ask us stuff. I think so. That's an, how we, we make each other better. Yeah. It's an invitation for more conversation. Yeah. Would you agree? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you're able to challenge each other, you can make each other better. Yes. And maybe you learn something. So maybe you change your mind or maybe your argument gets better. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, you- yeah, I am passionate about freedom. And I know you probably don't want this to get political, although we could if you wanted to. But I don't mean fr- – I, I think um, – and we could probably talk about the genesis of the love for freedom or kind of how yeah. it progressed. But um, – Yeah. Let's talk about the your love of freedom and how it's progressed. Like – how did you become so passionate about freedom? So I think I want people to be free. And what I mean by that is I want them to be able to pursue what they find fulfilling. And I want to remove barriers to them being able to do what it is that uh, fulfills them and what they like to do. And that's the work I do. So I would, I, it's not my role to talk about my company and where I work. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we do is we're a grant-making organization, and we give grants to support uh, scholarship that helps identify barriers to people pursuing their fulfillment, pursuing their well-being, however that however they define it. And that's what we care about. I'm going to say something controversial, Brett. I'm going to say it. I'm going to go right. there. I would say that you have some strong opinions about certain things. And, uh, for example, you post certain articles on Facebook, and you don't get a lot of likes. 
<laughs> That's accurate. Right, yeah. right. I like to say I post something serious. My <laughs> wife posts that she had a solid stool in this <laughs> this morning and she gets like 200 likes. That, and that's accurate probably. Yeah. She doesn't post about that for real, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeremy would give her a thumbs up. So we joke about that a lot, that your wife, you know, she posts anything and yeah. gets tons of likes. You yeah, post yeah. serious articles that you're passionate about and you get crickets. I think because they have to think about it. Maybe yeah. People don't, maybe it's it's the wrong forum probably for it. Exactly. I also don't comment on it. Some people give me the yes. feedback that you have to have a little intro. Yes. But I don't want to put that much thought into it. I just want to post something and then you draw your own conclusions. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's why I thought the podcast, this is a great platform to be like okay man you're obviously passionate about this let's do the documentary backstory on this yeah because no one would disagree that you know freedom everyone wants freedom but what does that look like to you you think you think everybody does but their actions would tell you different so so who where did this first idea of this passion for freedom come from would you say i think for most people it comes from not liking to be told what to do and I'm going to tell, I'll tell stories about my past, but let's not blame my parents, all right? So my parents did a good yes. job. I think overall, I'm a, I'm a pretty good, I'm an, well, yes. I'm not a good person. I'm an okay person, right? And yeah. I think they did the best okay. they could. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so I think, um, so here's the thing. When I say I care about freedom, a lot of people immediately go to the political. Yeah. And I think, and I don't think we need to be political, although we could go there if you desire. But I think it may help to think about the genesis of my of, of where I came from and how I got to where I am. So I, I put some thought into it. I've heard your podcast before. Yeah. In fact, I've heard every episode of Thank it. Thank you. And, and I appreciate today that. today is Monday, and I thought one was posting today, so I was a little disappointed that no, it wasn't No, it's Wednesdays. There. Oh, Wednesdays. Wednesdays and Fridays. Okay. Yeah. Wednesday and Friday. Yeah. So I'm fine then. Yeah, okay. you're good. I just need more content. You're totally good. I need more good. Sam. Yep. More Sam in your life. Um. So I thought uh, I tried to thought think of stories about me, and I'm and I'm actually not that great about stories about me. So typically, yeah. I look at other stories and then see how that I can apply them to the things I think are important. Yeah, for sure. So I thought about me, and then uh, what came to my mind was my engagement with homeless people mm-hmm. and the different situations in my life. And so I will I can trace and- my progression on my thinking about freedom by talking about my engagement with homeless people, if that's helpful. I would love to explore your okay. engagement with homeless people and how that has influenced your life. Yeah. So don't hate me. So the first story I have. <laughs> I can tell by your smile that you're like, oh, do I want to go it's there? It's bad. Yeah, it's really bad. So, uh, yeah. And I'm embarrassed by it and full of regret. So the first I have, so I grew up in, uh, I would say, middle class, maybe upper middle class. Mm, okay. So grew up in suburbs of Akron, Ohio, right, which is which itself is a smaller city about an hour 45 minutes an hour south of cleveland um town called stowe so i had never really seen a homeless person mm-hmm. and i'm in boy scouts and we make a trip to dc how so, old are you at this point so boy scouts was what 12 13 maybe okay yeah, seventh or eighth grade all right definitely not definitely hot not high school yet so every other year we would do some hiking on the Appalachian Trail, and then the other year we'd go to Philmont, which is a Boy Scout ranch in New Mexico. They call it the ultimate scouting experience. So so hiking Appalachian Trail, and there's a portion of it that's not that far from D.C., so it goes through Pennsylvania, Maryland, mm-hmm. parts of Virginia. And um, so we're in downtown D.C., and I'm with 
some other Boy Scouts and we're in small groups and we're part of the, the historic trail goes through D.C. So we're sitting there taking a break and this homeless guy is walking up a hill. It's really hot. It's the summer and he's winded. There's clearly, he's clearly not in great health. Mm-hmm. And me and these Boy Scouts, mm-hmm. we're like rolling quarters out to him. And then pointing to him saying, hey, there's a quarter there. And then laughing as he struggles to bend over and pick it up and that sort of thing. And uh, I think back on that. I'm pretty good at remembering things I did bad, but maybe not as good as things I did well. So kind of I'm pretty embarrassed about that. And I didn't have good mentors. And we don't need to blame all those guys. The fact is I I engaged in it. And I'm 12 or 13. There might be some 15, 16-year-olds there. And uh, and at the time, I think I would say, you know, I've done nice things for the homeless. I've helped yeah. them out and that sort of thing. But when I think about it, I didn't – but I'd always thought of them as kind of like others, right? So mm-hmm. I didn't even think of that. I didn't even respect that person as a human being. Mm-hmm. I didn't think what do they want, what are their dreams, what's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And mm-hmm. then I think I progressed. Uh, Hold on. Yeah, Before sure. you go on. All right. I think, one, I want to commend you for telling that story because that's a hard story to tell because it's easy to go back and tell the good stories and the funny stories and things like that. But part of analyzing ourselves, figuring out, I mean, my favorite question to ask is always, why are we the way we are? Mm -hmm. And it's definitely not fun to reflect on those that make us feel like crap about ourselves. But that's where I think healing and growth comes in is when you look at the painful parts So, one, commend you for doing that. I appreciate that. And two, I'm going to throw some new words that people are using these days, but we live in a cancel culture, which, you know, if you were filmed, if you were a 12-year-old filmed doing that, I mean, you would be shamed beyond belief. Part of me is in my head, I'm like, well, rightfully so, because that was a jerk move, you know, but that isn't who you are. That would have been an inaccurate representation of who you are as a person. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, people make mistakes. I don't think we've got a lot. We should have more tolerance for people making mistakes. Yeah. And we don't help them learn by isolating them away Mm -hmm. from us. And just, yeah, the cancel culture, like, you're a bad yeah. person, so I'm going to now isolate yeah. you away from us. How, do, how are we going to improve that person? And it's easy for me to say this now until someone wrongs me, and then I'm like, screw them. I hate them. They're dead to me. I definitely struggle with that. <laughs> but and, I don't like to – that's just my immediate feelings. And there's actually going to be – so as I progress in the story, there's going to be an incident with another 12-year-old oh, or gosh. 12 or 13-year-old later to oh. kind of show how we've progressed and, and, and how I've gotten better. So – I would say I engage, so I, I would engage in soup kitchens and yeah. help that kind of stuff. And, uh, but it was always this, you know, I'm doing good for this person and I know what's best for them mm. and uh, that sort of thing. And then I remember distinctly, and this is actually not as long ago as I'd like it to be. And this is where I think a lot of my arguments on on freedom come from is I think people have a sense of, and this will be a big word, but a technocratic mindset. Explain it, Brett. Yeah. So the idea that they can design something. So me thinking, all right, I know what this homeless person's problem. So I need to design some system, right, mm-hmm. that that they have to go through to improve their lives. And I think there's some hubris in that. The idea that there's uh, thinking too highly of myself and things I can design for mm-hmm. somebody like that when – when I don't know anything about their internal motivations, I don't know mm-hmm. what they care about. I don't know what are what the reasons are they became homeless in the first place. Mm-hmm. I have no clue. And mm-hmm. so I think I'm going to design some sort of system 
some sort of help for them to fix them. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not seeing them as a person. So I would mm-hmm. engage in soup kitchens and I would be disappointed when we'd help the poor because I'm thinking, oh, this isn't fixing their problem when I could do so much better. And then I was in a conversation with somebody and they were talking about, and I and and I had this, I, I kind of had this sense for justice and they were talking, and we were talking about how um, some places were arresting homeless people and putting them in jail. And she said, Oh well, you know that's better than them being on the streets, and then and then I thought to myself, but they don't want to be in jail, so who am I to say what's better for them? So, right, maybe they get a meal in jail, maybe their shelter, shelter, whatever that yeah. is. But maybe for them, they just don't want to be locked up in jail, and yeah. they can't do whatever it is they want to do. So even mm-hmm. if they're not living in a home or something, they still have the ability to make some choices and locking them up in jail, you remove choice from them. Mm -hmm. So then that's, I think, and I wish this was longer ago, but it probably really wasn't maybe, maybe 20 years. I don't know. 20 years ago. ago? Yeah. You don't think 20 years ago is a long time? Well, when you're as old as I am, (laughs) you'd, you'd hope it had been a little, little earlier. And so then it occurred to me that this idea that I can know what's better for them based on what I think they should have mm-hmm. is is ridiculous. And and again, not seeing them as an individ, individual of inherent worth mm-hmm. um, that has their own desires and own um, things they want. Mm-hmm. And then even more recently, so again, here's even more recently with a homeless person. So now we live in an area, even though we're pretty suburban here, mm-hmm. There's, I actually see a significant number of yeah. homeless people where we are. And actually, that's just kind of in the, I feel like, the last few years. There never used to be maybe one random person here and there, and now it's pretty regular. Yeah, and I think there's probably a lot more than we notice. Oh, yeah. And so we're driving, and one of my daughter's friends... We see a homeless person, and she sees this person, and she says, "So she's twelve years old. So again, let's not do cancel culture, right? So let's mm-hmm. let's show some let's prep with grace." Yep. Yeah. So she's a twelve-year-old, probably parroting things she's heard her parents say. Yeah. She says, "Well, if that person can afford clothes, why can't they afford food?" And my kids are taken aback by this because I've really tried to instill in them and this isn't like I'm some kind of great parent but yeah. but we've actually talked about this and and I don't say this to criticize my parents but I don't mm-hmm. recall talking to my parents about the inherent worth and value of every individual mm-hmm. no matter who they are mm-hmm. but I've really worked on that with my kids and so my kids are taken aback they don't say anything but I and and I can't I'm not just going to go after this kid she's a 12 year old yeah please don't so we say something like well I don't know if that's necessarily trade-offs i mean we don't see a lot of naked homeless people so maybe they have access to clothes but they might not have access to food so i'm just trying to you know say we don't know their situation Mm -hmm. and also the idea that we would see naked homeless people because they're so they can't afford clothes is is silly that's just not the sort of place we live in right excuse me so so that's where i get to so maybe that helps to understand why i care about freedom because i care about i think every person has inherent value and can contribute. And what I mean by contribute is they can create value. They can help make others, other people's lives better off. But something's gone on in their life mm-hmm. that's created a barrier to them being able to succeed, yeah. being able for them to find fulfillment however they want it. Mm-hmm. And that's the work I do. That's what I care about is removing whatever those obstacles and barriers are to people and then helping them not just to survive but to – move towards a place where they're finding fulfillment and they're, and they're doing things to make their lives better, make other people's lives better. 
I appreciate your evolution of kind of how you were able to see your shift. And I think that that's insightful for people to also hear and questioning. That's something that whether it's in the arena that you work in or everybody is, how do we look at people? We all try to pretend that we don't put labels on people or judge people, but we do at the end of the day. I mean, it's human nature. Yeah. And I think when you kind of, when you fill your mind with things like you just said about everyone has inherent value and you ask yourself that before interacting with people, I think it helps set the tone for how you engage with people. Yeah. So even now when I see homeless people, I, instead of my first instinct being, I'm just going to give them some money and walk away. Mm -hmm. I actually, so there's a guy, Chris, I see him outside of the metro where the Mm -hmm. bus drops me off where I go to work. So I know his name. So what I try to do is, and and some days I have some money and I decide to help him out or I can give him a couple bucks or something. Other days I don't, but I want to know his name. And so that way I can, I make that extra step, right? So this, this is a, this is a human being. I've personalized my relationship with him. I actually do care about him. I don't know that I can do a tremendous amount to help, but if I at least acknowledge him as a human being instead of not looking him in the eye and mm-hmm. just walk by, mm-hmm. maybe that makes a difference. I don't know, but I think I think I think there is a difference in seeing him as a charity case that I'm going to throw a couple bucks to, or seeing him as an actual person and actually knowing what his name is. So some days I just say hi, Chris. Some days I give him a couple bucks. I don't know. That's great. And I think I just had my aha moment. I can't guarantee that you'll have an aha moment, but I just had an aha moment. All right. Which is, I think that this episode is actually less about your job stuff, which is hard for people to understand. I think that your message is so much bigger because it's about framing how you see people. And I think that's something everyone can benefit from that listens, regardless of political affiliation, beliefs of what freedom looks like, all that kind of stuff is that how can we look at people with their inherent worth and value? Because that's something that you said you've made an effort to do with your kids. And I think that the more we dig into that, the more people can benefit from that. I think that's really powerful. that'd be nice. I'd like that. Yeah. I think that's really awesome. And then it keeps us away from using big words. (laughs) (laughs) can we use some big words Eh, i mean technocrat you don't like technocrat no Uh, hubris was even a stretch (laughs) wow okay i was an english major but you know what if we um compare hubris with humility sure go ahead okay yeah so hubris would be the idea that i can i can know and and design something to help somebody be better off humility is me understanding i don't have that knowledge of what of what's going mm-hmm. on with that person and then getting to know them. And if I can help, maybe I can. Maybe I can just do something small. I don't mm-hmm. know. For me, one of my gifts and talents is hearing people. And I can't always put my finger on something about, like, we'll use you in particular. I feel like I have a good way of seeing people, but I can't always bring it to words or to say why. And after you described all that, I was like, yes, that's what people need to know about Brett Hinkey. Mm. They need to know that... You might have a political – it comes across as a political view like this, like I'm into this and da 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 But if you strip out all that and you kind of just talk about who you are as a person. I know people will say, you know, my starting point is my faith and scripture. But I think I think your life and your faith all kind of inter- 
inform mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. But I think my life experience has helped me understand my faith more. And even if, if what you perceive is political, where I don't perceive it as political. but I, but my, I don't, but I just know people, and it's not political. Maybe combative is a better word. <laughs> oh, that I, I like to challenge people? Is that what it is? Well, because you're passionate about certain things. Yeah. And so you you want to talk about them. Yeah. But I think that people when they know your heart, I think it makes people it makes it easier to engage with someone. Yeah, I think if if they get me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Cuz then people assume and I mean it's kind of why we're more forgiving with I mean you kind of go back to the 12-year-old you rolling the quarters like I can for like I can hear that and I'm like when you said it I'm like oh gosh I'm uncomfortable I can't believe you were doing that that makes me you know sad for whatever it's pretty terrible yeah but I can then be like but you were this you know you were a kid or this and that and I know you now but that's why I immediately thought of oh my gosh think of the 12 year olds that get filmed and then I would admit that I would be like what the beep that little beep beep. I mean, I would yeah. go off on them, not online or anything, and not or even. Or what's wrong with their parents? Oh, I would totally like. They obviously learned it from them, and yeah. you know all this stuff. And so I think that's why it's good not only to hear stories, but to m- encourage people to reflect on things they've done that they're not proud of, and to learn why did you do that or what did you not know, and have you learned from that? That's why self reflection. Spending the time doing that, you know, kind of helps you understand where you were, where you've grown, where you're going. Yeah. The combative piece, I'd say I'm less combative than I used to be, but maybe maybe not enough. I think, I don't know how much it is that I'm passionate or how much I just get bored easily. That's so true, So I get too. bored by conversations that are boring. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk about things that interest me. So that's that's a little bit selfish. I was going to say, that sounds really so maybe, selfish. Maybe maybe 30 years from now, we'll look back on this and I'll think, man, I had these selfish conversations, but now I'm I'm so unselfish. Yeah. That'd be nice. I doubt that's going to Do you happen. think we get more selfish as we get older, though? Because we're like, I don't feel like talking about stuff that I don't feel like talking about. I think I've tried to work on not being selfish. Yeah. yeah. So when you talk about uh, people you know, right? So sometimes you treat the people you know. Worse. The worst. Yes, I'm guilty of because that. Because it's safe, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So at work, I don't treat people I work with bad because there's huge consequences to my mm-hmm. – uh, if I do, I get fired. Yeah, but with my spouse or mm-hmm. my parents, I've yeah. said some of the most terrible things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Raise your hand if you've done that. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, your producer is not raising his hand. No. <laughs> Although your producer did uh, lose a bunch of content that we uh, he put did. together. He yeah. did. He did lose our first podcast, but mm. he didn't do it. The computer did it. That's true. He didn't do it on purpose. So I guess it's not that terrible. It was just an accident. Mm-hmm. But this or is. Did I? Or did yeah. he? But this is. It was so just much the episode better. that I was on. Yeah. He's like, ah, we lost this we one. We lost this. Just the one. But it's gold. This is gold. It's so much better. We'll see. So I mean, better. we'll see if he can edit it, if he can pull the kernels of corn out of this crap. Well, now I'm feeling it's insecure good. because you <laughs> said before, you <laughs> you were you were like, are we going to have that aha moment? And I'm like, I had that aha moment. Oh, good. And you're going to walk away feeling disappointed. But normally there's – uh, I've listened aha. to your podcast. There's normally a, a pause and then a <gasps> – Say that again. 
say that a little, again. A little whisper. There was something. You know what? I'm trying not to interrupt as much because you <laughs> did say something where I wanted to say, say that again. Say that again about the inherent worth that you are working with your children to teach them. Yeah. So I use that. I say, and, and you can come at it from a faith perspective, which I do. Mm-hmm. So every individual. So with my kids, I would say every individual is creating the image of God and has inherent worth and value because of that. And if I'm not talking to someone who's a Christian, so so the work I do, we talk a lot about that, about individuals, seeing individuals as as having inherent value, but we don't have the image of God piece. Although mm-hmm. some people I work with are of faith, so I'll, I'll use that with them and mm-hmm. we'll talk about it. But we do talk a lot about the inherent worth and mm-hmm. value of each individual and the ability to contribute. So that's another piece we add on. So, And that moves us from the idea that we should respect and love them but it moves us to the idea that these people, if we remove barriers, they can find fulfilling lives and contribute. Mm-hmm. So I can give you an example of of where we get to the next piece, fulfilling lives and contribute. So there's a, a organization called that was set up. It's called Mobile Fish and Loaves. Mm-hmm. That sounds religious. It was, yeah. So oh, okay. so basically, what they did is uh, so Mobile Fish and Loaves. You know, the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Mm-hmm. And so it was uh, kind of like a Meals on Wheels kind of thing. So mm-hmm. they brought food um, uh, through a mobile way to um, homeless people. But then they discovered – so this is where they see those people as having inherent value. The person who started Mobile Fish and Loaves – and I can't remember the name. You could look them up on the internet. Yeah. Just do a search. <laughs> Thank you for telling me On the internet. On your, Did you know that you could Google things if you your, don't know them? The internet, your any mobile device really, whether it's Android or Apple, you could look it up. Or your computer. Or your desktop, yeah. yeah. Or you could even or ask your Alexa. Laptop. Yeah, Alexa. Yeah. Or Alexa. Or, or was it Hey or, Google? or Yeah, or a tablet. You could use a tablet. So many things. You so many use. different ways. It actually, we are living in an amazing time. We are. The access to information is purely. It's astounding. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So. And I would argue thanks to freedom, but that's a different conversation. Whoa! Now you're really yeah. going down the rabbit hole. Um, Back to mobile fish. Oh and yeah. Loaves. So this is if you see people as individuals of inherent worth. Mm-hmm. So they're doing mobile fish and loaves, and they get to know the people because they, again, they're they're engaging directly with them knowing their names, who they are, and mm-hmm. they discover that this is fine, what we're doing. But really, these people don't have community. They don't have a support mm-hmm. system. They don't have mentorship. Mm-hmm. So what this person did is they buy land, they set up a community, and it's these you know kind of quick-build houses. Mm-hmm. And basically, they get a community of people living together, invested in each other's success, and then these people are not just surviving. So we're not just giving them food to survive. We're actually mm-hmm. helping them. It sounds so trite, but not just survive, but thrive, right? Yeah. So, they, so they're engaged in a the community. They get mentorship. They understand best practices, what's working, what's not. They develop job skills. They got other people invested in helping them, and they're in a community. And that's if you see people as yeah. having inherent worth and value. Then they're more than just somebody that I need to – throw a loaf of bread to so they can have some food. It's somebody that I want them to live and do the best they can. Yeah. So what you start to look at is different ways of helping people with their Mm -hmm. issues. And I know you don't want to get political, but if you look at what we've done with drug addiction in this country, Mm -hmm. it's always been on the supply side. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is they basically say, oh, we should just, the the immediate reaction is let's just outlaw drugs Mm -hmm. 
and frankly, we've had, I don't know, 40 years of the drug war, mm-hmm. and has it gotten any better? Mm-hmm. No. So we've got people addicted to different drugs. Mm-hmm. And then finally, folks are starting to work on the demand side, and it's what's addressed what these these people's problems are. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, it's they don't have community, they don't have a support system, mm-hmm. something went wrong in their lives, mm-hmm. and they feel hopeless and can't figure it out. And there's another organization I can talk about called Project Phoenix. And so what they identified is, all right, people addicted to drugs, it's they don't have a support system, they don't have community, mm. and they're trying to fill that hole with something else. And so they use physical fitness. So it's a, it's like a CrossFit type thing. Mm-hmm. And when you compare their numbers to Alcoholics Anonymous type programs versus what they do, Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'm just spitballing on the numbers here, mm-hmm. it's like 30 to 40% success rate. Mm-hmm. Their success rate is is in the eighty percent, mm. and so it's basically they're addressing what these people's problems are, and it's not just let's outlaw drugs or get them off drugs. Mm-hmm. It's that they need they need community because there's a reason they're taking drugs because there's a hopelessness and they need mm-hmm. hope. So, yeah, that's the cool thing. So once mm. you once you instead of trying to do a um, and this is what I love about freedom. So when you try to apply force, there are very few instances where force works better mm-hmm. than cooperation and collaboration. Mm-hmm. And that's what – so when people want to move from what I'm talking about to the political realm, mm-hmm. my my ideas start with these, these, these feelings that people – um, when they're free, they can do amazing things. Mm-hmm. And then it just, you can extrapolate that out to most of the opinions I hold, or all the opinions I hold. What I hear a lot nowadays, uh, what I see, what I've said is, you know, there's a lot of talking at people versus talking to with politics and yeah. just lots of things in the world. And I wonder if we got, if we kind of stripped it down to people's thoughts and intentions and beliefs. So many people, I do think more so are on the same, well, hate to say same page, but they have the same desire. They want to help people. And I think kind of going, if you strip down to kind of your core of how you are and how you think, it helps you understand your beliefs or how you think to go about it. So do you think if everyone kind of shared more of that, people could have more productive conversations? I think so, but it requires some humility. Yeah. I think to be able to admit you're wrong. And in the end, they may be thinking in a way that I think is not in service of justice and grace and seeing people as individuals of inherent value and worth. Mm-hmm. But if I scream at them and say, I'm not going to engage with you and mm-hmm. I'm not in relationship with them, am I ever going to change their mind or am I ever going to? understand why they think the way they do. They might have something really bad in their past that's causing them yeah, to think the way they exactly. do. exactly. That's why you got to yeah. get to know people, know their heart and why they are the way they are. Yeah. I think there's a line, though. At some point, they, they can be damaging and hurtful to you. But Well, I appreciate your willingness to not only come on, not only be my friend, but share some insight into your love of freedom and how... I think actually today was less about the freedom and really more about the starting point for your mind. I think that's right. I think the freedom starts with what we talked about, the inherent value and worth of every individual. Yeah. 
I appreciate you coming. I, you know, I knew from the beginning that I wanted to have you on because we do have great conversation and I wanted to pull out why do we have good conversation specifically you and I and Jeremy too, because he's always involved. Mm -hmm. You guys give good conversation. Thank you. So I do, I knew I wanted you on the podcast, but we said for a while, you know, for the last six months, it's been like, well, what are we going to talk about? And I am really excited that... We talk a lot about your love of freedom, and I thought we would talk about your love of freedom, but I'm more excited that we talked about the inherent worth and value that every individual has, because I think no matter what your beliefs are, no matter anything, we should agree on that. And if we don't, then there's there's a problem there, because I'm willing to stand on that one. Yeah, that's one we should we should be solid about. Yeah. yeah. Our sense of justice should be strong on that. And I think it fits well with, with the rest of your podcast because this is, this is kind of your project, right? Yeah. Of the uniqueness of individuals yeah. that come on and talk about their stories. They've each got different talents. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. respect and love them. Yeah. Here's the thing is, is there is some value in what they do and you, you sure. pull it out and find it and you respect them as individuals. So I'm glad I could talk about that because I think that's – that's what your project is here. Yeah. You yeah. hit the nail on the head. Thank you. Of course you. I did. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Of course. You're brilliant. Yeah, of course. You're awesome. <laughs> well, thank you, Brett. This is awesome. Appreciate you. Thank you. And uh, I know we, I think we helped open up some minds. So. And by the way, um, breastfeeding helps you lose baby weight. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap for now. Thanks for listening to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. Music provided by twinmusicom.org. Song titled Night at the Dance Hall. Sound editing by me, Jeremy Spittle. A special thanks to our studio sponsor, MM Exteriors. Visit their website at mmexteriors.com for all of your roofing, siding, and gutter needs in the Northern Virginia area. Visit our website at flushingitout.com and be sure to subscribe. This has been a Spitfire production. That was the greatest thing I've ever heard.